Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. And thanks, David. Uh, David does an awesome job with our facility. It definitely is his ministry and uh, loves the Lord through that. Uh, We're in a study we've been in for a couple weeks now called the Sermon on the Mount, looking at some amazing teachings of Jesus. And today we we have another. Um, So I heard this story one time about a young man who fell in love with an opera singer. He loved opera and he heard this woman's voice and he was so in love with this woman's voice, he met her, and uh, even though she was older than he was, uh, he fell in love, and he wanted to spend his life with her. And she tried to tell him, you know, a winter-spring relationship doesn't always work. Uh, But this man was so enamored with her voice that uh, every time she would argue or they about, uh, you know, try to put up a, uh, you know, some resistance about the relationship, he ignored her protest because he was in love. And all of her concerns Our arguments were forgotten when he heard her sing. So after a whirlwind romance and a quick ceremony, uh, they were married and they were off from their honeymoon together. And she began to prepare for their first night together. And as he watched her get ready for bed, uh, his chin dropped. I mean, she uh, plucked out her glass eye and laid it on the table. She pulled off her wig. She ripped off her false eyelashes and took off all the thick makeup pulled out her dentures and laid them out, unstrapped her artificial leg and, uh, and slipped off her glasses that hit her hearing aid. And the young man was stunned and horrified and he gasped out, sing woman, sing. <laughs> you know, I think we all wanna look good in front of people, right? We all wanna present our best and be our best in everything. And, and that's true in the way we spend our money. For example, statistically, women will spend an average of $3,756 a year, mostly on moisturizers and makeup. They say men will spend an average of $2,928 on gym memberships and on supplements. All those things to make us look younger and better. I think I'm below the bar on most of that, and probably most of us are in here. And we're not really trying to deceive people, but we're just trying to be our best. We're trying to look our best, be healthy, present our best to people. But when does concern about our appearance and about what people see and think about us, when does that overcome the value of it? And when does that project something that really isn't true that we're not? And when does that cross the line and become a little bit toxic when we're not really who we say we are? And when does it become even more dangerous and even more poisonous when we start doing that with our spiritual lives? So today we're going to be talking about spiritual authenticity. We're going to be talking about being real, about being genuine, about being the person that not only we present ourselves to be, but the person that we're called to be. So let's read from Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So this is kind of the big idea we're going to be talking about today. Jesus said that do not practice your righteousness in order to be seen by people, that what you do is not your presentation, it should be who you really are. And this passage, again, is what we call the Sermon on the Mount, or part of it, which is kind of Jesus' inaugural sermon, I might say, where he presents the main points of his kingdom. And this is a big one, and we talked a lot about this through this study, about being real and about being authentic, and we're going to really get specific about it today. Because most of Jesus' listeners in his day, like most of us today in our world, most of us here this morning, would say, yeah, we believe there's a God, 
And we believe in God, but we don't maybe have a true and genuine relationship with God. Then maybe what we live out is a persona of some sort that we, what we expect people, what we've seen other people model as well. I mean, we may think we're doing what God wants us to do, and we're hoping we're going to go to heaven one day when we die, but sometimes we're as good at fooling other people as we are sometimes at fooling ourselves. But the reality is, is that we're not fooling God. We're never fooling God. God is always there. He's there all the time. And God sees beyond the facade that we want to show other people. And you know, for some people, their spirituality is just fake. It's, um, uh, it's just trying to draw attention to themselves for the praise of people, for the applause of people. So what Jesus is saying here, he says, if you only act righteous in order for people to see you and, and brag on you, then you get your reward right then. You're getting what you're looking for. You're getting attention, you're getting accolades, maybe applause. You know, you're getting people to just talk about what a good person you are. But you will not receive your reward in heaven because you've already got it. You got it here now and there's nothing in the time to come. You know, you've probably seen these masks before, more than likely. These are the comedy and tragedy masks uh, in, in Greek literature um, and theater. You probably have heard of that or seen them before. But in that day, they wore all kind of masks, and they wore masks like this in order to represent the character and to represent the emotions that they would be displaying in a play. Now, since all actors in that day were male, they would have to wear a mask to present the person that they were trying to, to act out, who they were trying to be. For example, there would be female masks and children's masks uh, that would show fear and joy or, or sadness. And the Greek word for these actors was the word you probably heard before, hypocrite. Hypocrite, because he would be acting the way his face presented. So he would present himself and then act that way, but that's not who he really was. He played a role. Now today, you know, obviously theater and movies and, you know, acting has come a long, long way. There's all sorts of actors. There's men, women, and children actors, but sometime and occasionally an actor will be called to perform a character that's very foreign to them. For example, you probably read stories about actors who gain a lot of weight to play a heavy person, or they lose a ton of weight uh, to pay, uh, play a very skinny person. Or maybe they spend months studying the, the life of a historical character, or they go and live somewhere in a certain place to try to actually become that person so they can display and live out that role. You know, that's great for a movie role, you know, uh, where you know the actor really isn't doing that. Then they go back to real life normally. But it's not great for someone to try and fool people into thinking that they are something they're not, specifically when it has to do with their faith that you're trying to appear more spiritual than you actually are. And you know what? This was the blatant religious culture of Jesus' day. I mean, they didn't even, this wasn't even tried to be hidden. It was very obvious. Everyone knew it. The Pharisees and religious leaders were well known for their open and literally over-the-top um, displays of spirituality. But Jesus occasionally and often called them out, and he called them what they were. He called them hypocrites. And he warned us not to be like them. A little bit later in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus said, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead. 
and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. There is no wonder that these men hated Jesus. He called them out publicly, calling them hypocrites, which would you know, connect even more in that culture than today because they knew what a hypocrite was uh, when it came to acting. Today, we know that word is common as well, and we know that there are plenty of hypocrites, right? In fact, this is one of the biggest uh, attacks that's levied against the church today. And people talk about hypocrites in the church. You know, my theory is that we're all hypocrites. Every one of us are. We all would like to be and probably try to, try to be uh, something that we're not always, but we're in the process of it. We're in the process of becoming hopefully more what we are called to be. But we're not to be hypocrites when it comes to our faith. We're to be real. And then next in our scripture, Jesus gives three examples of the difference between hypocrisy and authenticity. And he begins with the issue or the topic of giving. So let's read that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 2 through 4. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So we are commanded to give as we are blessed. That's one of the ways that we worship. A giving is a part of our worship. But you know what? It's possible to do the right thing in the wrong way, in the wrong motive. Now, how do we do that? Well, Jesus said you do it, you give, but you give in such a way that draws attention to your gift and yourself and seeks to let everybody know how generous that you are. For example, people that give but demand that a building be named after them or that a plaque be put up somewhere with their name on it because they want everyone to know how much they've given. They want the credit and the recognition. You know, tradition says that the wealthy people of that day literally would hire a trumpeter to go before them when they went to give. When they went to the temple, they would hire somebody to go and and blow a trumpet in front of them. So everyone's attention was gotten and everyone would know what they gave or that they had given or that they would drop their money loudly into the offering bucket so that it would uh, make a, a noise and people would just ooh and ah about what kind of givers they were. And Jesus said that when you do that, again, you get the credit at the moment, and that's all you're going to get. There's no credit in heaven for that. And when people give like that, basically, they take God out of their giving. That's what he's trying to say. Our giving is not to be seen. They imply that they're the ones who made the money and that God had nothing to do with it. And the reality is is that you and I, we have no ability beyond of our own to do anything. Uh, We have no ability to work a job or make money or anything else. God is the one who gave us life, who gives us health, who gives us the opportunity for education, the ability to work, the health to work, and and the opportunities to make the money. So everything I have belongs to God. Every bit of it does. And I'm blessed to be able to give it to honor him. And that's the way we have to look at that. So my giving literally is God giving through me, God prompting me to say, I'm going to give not for attention, but to honor God and to meet the needs that God has put before us in this earth. So to try and steer it toward me or you getting recognition for that and glory is just selfish and wrong. That's what Jesus is saying. So that Jesus said that the best way to give is in a way that doesn't draw attention to ourselves, in a way that is secret and that's private. 
And the Bible teaches that we ought to give to Jesus through the church and his ministries. And I think maybe people don't understand that. There's plenty of ways to give and places to give. I'm not saying they're all wrong or anything. But when we give to the church, it definitely is more anonymous. And the church, the body of Christ, gets the recognition. You know, I could do something. I could spend money and send money different places. But when you give to the church, the body of Christ, this is one of the things I love about Ides, is that when Ides help ministries around the world, they will give it through churches, they will give it through missionaries, and the glory goes to God that. It's not that some Americans, rich Americans are doing something, it's collectively the body of Christ is doing something. Giving is a privilege and a joy because we know that God sees our commitment and God is glorified and we are blessed because we know that we can never outgive God. And then sometimes we may be prompted to give above and beyond our regular giving, and that too should be private and be as low-key as possible. You know, several years ago, when we first moved to town, our family was young, and, uh, and money was tight in our family, and we received an, an incredible blessing, unexpected blessing. Uh, one, day, uh, one day, we got a call, and our, our, at that time, since we were poor, um, our vehicles were old and unreliable. We had a couple of breakdowns and, you know, when you're the minister, everybody knows when your car breaks down, you know? So, uh, so anyway, we got a call one day uh, from a local car dealer that said, you know what, we're delivering a car to you at the church. And I said, you know, that's got to be a mistake because I have not ordered a car. We're not buying a car or anything and uh, had not purchased one. But he said, you know what, it's no mistake. He said, uh, the, the, somebody had leased a vehicle for our family and it would be delivered shortly to the church which blew me away. And uh, so very quickly, a nearly new Chevy Suburban, the full-size deal, uh, was delivered, and I was handed the keys. And I'll tell you, I was blown away. I was blown away. For four years, we drove that vehicle with all taxes, license, and insurance paid, and the benefactor never took credit for it. I mean, I finally figured out who it was because of just the logistics of, of everything, But this man was so generous and gracious and kind and humble, never expected anything in return. I look back at that. I've never had anything like that before. And uh, and I'm just amazed at that kind of kindness and need that was given there. It was was incredible. So whenever you give, and, and you should give, do it in secret. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's what Jesus is saying. The second example is prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Again, as in giving, you you and I are commanded to pray. Prayers will be a part of our lives. But do it genuinely. Do not pray for show. Kind of like the giving uh, that we talked about a few moments ago, the religious leaders of Jesus' day would often go all out with their prayers. And Jesus described what that might be like in Luke chapter 18. He told the story of two men who went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a day and give a tenth of all I I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. 
He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I'll tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exhausted. Now, this is not a prohibition against public prayer. Public prayer, I think, is appropriate. I think it needs to be shared, and people need to be led in prayer, and we do that in our services. But, but what he's saying, this is against praying just for people to see you and hear you. And that's the only time that you pray. You know, you don't pray any other time except when you're on stage. And Jesus said the only blessing that you're going to get out of it is what you get at the moment when people go, oh, that person prays the best prayer. I love to hear so-and-so pray. And we know that and we do it for that purpose. That's wrong. Like Jesus did, we're told to go and find a quiet place, just us and God, and spend time with him in prayer. You know, we don't read a lot about Jesus doing public prayers, do we? There's just a couple of records of that. Jesus' prayers were in, in pri, a private with God. And God will hear your prayer and God will answer that. Now, the third area, uh, one more example is in fasting. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others their fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it is not obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, fasting is one of the most, uh, the spiritual uh, disciplines that we don't talk much about for the obvious reason, right? Because we all like to eat. And uh, so we don't talk a lot about that. It's beneficial, but it's not enjoyable. So we hear about intermediate fa uh, intermediate, um, intermittent fasting uh, for health reasons and everything. But a spiritual fast is when you go without something. Uh, typically, it would be food for a period of time in order to focus on and hone your senses for prayer and spiritual sensitivity. Usually when someone fasts, they have a specific reason for that. Uh, something that you're praying about, a big decision you might make, or some situation that you're praying or someone specifically praying for. And so the idea in fasting is to forego something that's meaningful to you, something that you need and want, like food, but it can also be other things as well. It can be other things that you're fasting some, things that might be important, too important, that maybe they take over your life, like technology or or Netflix, or something like that. Ever come to the point where you say, you know, I would spend hours watching my favorite show, but I don't even spend minutes reading the Bible. And if you come to a point where you say, you know, that my life is out of balance like that, then maybe that would be a good time to fast and say, I'm from, from technology or TV or whatever it might be, and make sure that you're focusing on the right things. But instead of doing the normal things, like eating, you forego them and you pray. And you know, fasting is a, is a powerful, private, spiritual discipline, but it's also to be done like that. It's to be done privately. The religious leaders of Jesus' day would make their fast public. They would disfigure their face. They would put, you know, mark up their face. They would wear sackcloth and ashes out in public, and they would proclaim, I can't eat today because I'm fasting. They wanted everybody to know, you know, that they were fasting and doing without. They wanted the the, uh, the praise, and they wanted the recognition, the attention to be seen as super religious people. But Jesus said, when you, when you fast, and you should fast and pray, don't make a big deal about it. 
And don't tell everybody what you're doing. Don't look pitiful. Clean yourself up and look and act normal. Don't let people know that you're going without something. Don't, don't do that to make yourself look good and seek attention because all you're going to get are the blessings just at that moment. So there's three examples that Jesus gives. All of them are pretty similar. And the point is, whenever you worship and whenever you do certain things in your relationship with God, be authentic, be real, do it for the right reason. Let it come from the heart and not from pride or anything like that. And ask yourself, am I doing this in order to be seen by someone that I'm, and, and seen as someone that I'm not? And am I doing this in order to get the applause of people or am I doing it to honor God? What is my real motive in my heart? Am I doing this because I want to be seen as a certain type of person or because I really am that person? Do you do all the right things when nobody is looking but God, because he's always looking, he sees all the time. You know, I'm not big on poetry, but every now and then I read something that impresses me, probably because it doesn't rhyme like a poem. Uh, but Ruth Harms Calkin wrote this, I wonder, that's the name of her poem. You know, Lord, when I, how I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. You know how eagerly I speak for you at a women's club. You know how I effervesce when I promote a, a small group. You know my genuine enthusiasm in a Bible study. But how would I react, I wonder, if you pointed to a basin of water and asked me to wash the calloused feet of a bent and wrinkled old woman day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew? Do we serve God just to be seen, to make ourselves look good, to get the, the glory, to get the recognition? How authentic is your service, your worship, your prayer, your giving? You know, I think this is a tough subject, to be honest with you, for all of us. I said earlier, I think all of us are probably hypocrites at some point. You know, I, I want to think and I want to be a better man than I am. And, and I know me and I know my struggles and my weaknesses. And, you know, I, maybe you don't know those things, but does that make me a hypocrite? Probably in some ways. When I hear people talk about the church in this way, it hurts me because I know it's true in some cases. I know that, that we're not all who we should be. But I also think, you know what, what you're doing is actually if you're away from the Lord because of someone else, you're letting that hypocrite be closer to God than you. Don't let them come between you and God. And this is a hard thing, I think, for all of us in a lot of ways, you know, uh, because uh, I think appearance is important. The way we live our lives, how we present to people is important. And uh, when, it, when it comes to our testimony and our example, I feel that a lot. I feel the burden of leadership. I know that there are things I should be leading in. I am doing. I think that's important that the body sees and understands that all leaders should feel that pressure. But I also have to admit that sometimes uh, I care a little too much about what people think of me. I care a lot about what people think. But to flip that around, the person who doesn't care what anybody thinks about them or doesn't care what God thinks about them is not in a good spot either, right? The person who thumbs their nose at everyone's opinion and society in general or thumbs their nose to God, that's not good, right? So I think we have to just strive to be real, to be who God's called us to be and be growing and moving in our relationship. Now, some people are not concerned about being a hypocrite to the world but they are a hypocrite to themselves and maybe don't even realize that. And when they look in the mirror, they've got their mask on. They're what we might call a cultural Christian. 
And they feel like they're authentically spiritual because they believe in God and believe in Jesus, but there's really nothing in their life that demonstrates a relationship with God. The mask is what we think represents authentic spirituality. We see ourselves in this way, and when we look at the mask, we think we're doing life with God. You know, I hear this all the time in different ways. People say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Or they say, I'm a good person. I'm a lot better than these hypocrites in church. And that's kind of a cultural Christian that wears the mask and deceives other people and talks the talk and maybe even deceives themselves sometimes. By the way, you know what? One, one observation that's been made is that a lot of cultural Christians like that haven't come back to church since the pandemic because their attendance was just for show anyway. And they're out of the habit you know, and so who cares, right? Nobody's giving them a hard way to go about it. So they're kind of missing, they're disappearing. Churches are experiencing that. Maybe that might be a good thing to make people aware of where they are. Or maybe we think that because we do go to church, you're following Jesus. Because you listen to other people pray, you have a great prayer life. Because you listen to people read the Bible, then you have a healthy spiritual or scripture intake. So maybe it's time to kind of look inside and be honest and evaluate ourselves. Maybe you have to admit that your spiritual life is a mask that you wear. I mean, you're not really trying to deceive anybody, including God, but it really has kind of become your identity because you wear a mask instead of having a life of intimacy with Jesus. Honestly, you don't have a very good prayer life or devotional life. You don't read the Bible much. There isn't much authenticity in your spiritual life. It's all motions. And if you are honest, you wouldn't have to admit that you probably are a fake. And so why would it be surprising for people on the outside to see that? Because when you're a fake, you feel like you're doing all the right things, but nobody, and you think nobody knows, but, but people know, and God knows. You might deceive a lot of people. You might even be deceiving yourself, but deep in your heart, you know it's the truth. You believe in God, you know, you're involved maybe in some things that relate to God, maybe giving, maybe praying, maybe fasting, if that's where you are, but you don't know God, not personally, not relationally. You're not a true hypocrite, you're not doing it on purpose, but you're not real either. I don't think anybody wants to live like that. You know, we didn't start out our spiritual lives like that. And Jesus doesn't want us to live like that either. He wants our relationship with him to be real, to be vibrant, to be genuine, to be authentic and alive. And all these things that we talked about, we need to give, we need to pray, we need to fast, not to be seen rather because these things flow out of our heart. And that's really what's inside of us. People see that and they say that's evident of who they are, not who they're trying to be. And so today maybe is a day that you come to Jesus for real. Or maybe today you come back to him because you've been at a distance. Maybe nobody knows that but you. But wouldn't today be a great day for that to happen? You know, just uh, down the road a little bit, probably everyone's read or heard uh, at Asbury campus there is a revival. And, and that is demonstrated by like 24 hours. I don't know how many days it's been, several days of, of constant worship and um, and praise, and I know there's some testimonies and different things are happening. You can go down there, it's uh, 24 hours a day, I believe, that continues on, which is amazing, it's, it's awesome. But you know, that doesn't have to happen 
for us to have a personal revival. And my challenge would be today for you in your heart to say, I'm coming back to the Lord. I'm coming to the Lord in a real and personal way where all of us need to be, where we want to be, where God wants us to be, not through our actions, but through our heart, which then will demonstrate our love to you, to, for him and on the, these things we've talked about. So here in a few moments, we're going to have a, a song of worship that, that will call us back to the Lord. And I'm going to be up front. Uh, I know George is going to step up. Tony will be up here available to pray with you. Come and pray on your own if you'd like. That would be a great day for us to seek personal revival to him and, uh, and to come back. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today. Father, thank you for your word that's so piercing through our hearts. And Lord, we know uh, that what we do and how we live matters. But God, I pray that it's not because we're trying to impress anyone. Uh, but God, this is an expression of who we are. And, uh, and God, that this is, this is for real. And Father, what's not real in our life, I pray you would help us to purge away so that we become honest and authentic followers of Jesus, and that our lives are vibrant, alive, and genuine. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.